Hey listeners, I'm Adam, and this is Can I Ask You a Question, a podcast where anyone is welcome to join me for an episode to share their thoughts on a topic of their choice. I'm looking forward to hearing new opinions and perspectives, and hopefully becoming a bit more open-minded along the way. If you're interested in joining me for a future episode, feel free to check out the sign-up link in this episode's description. This episode is brought to you by the Everyday App. Technically, this is an ad, but the Everyday app has honestly been super helpful for me, and I wouldn't partner with a company if I didn't genuinely believe in the product. So, what does the app do? It basically helps you track your habits so that you can see your progress over time. There's a common business saying, what gets measured gets managed. Like I said, it usually applies to businesses, keeping track of things like their sales and customer satisfaction, but I think it's just as relevant for personal goals too. It sounds like a simple concept for an app, but I've personally found it to be super effective in helping create new habits. The app lets you add whatever habits you're currently working on building. For me right now, some of those include reviewing my to-do list each day uh, so that I stay on top of the things I want to get done. Another one is going to the gym, and another one is limiting my time on Twitter to five minutes a day. The app lets you add three habits for free, so you can see if you find it helpful. If you soon realize you want to track more than three habits, like I eventually did, the paid version lets you track unlimited habits and has other cool features, and it's pretty good value in my opinion. There's a link in the episode description that gets you 10% off. All right, let's jump into today's conversation. First off, I just wanted to thank you for for building Misu. Uh, I discovered it through Product Hunt, I guess, a week and a half, two weeks ago, something like that. and it's one, it's one of the coolest apps I've, I've come across in a while. So thank you. Um, and yeah, I wanted to start off just by asking you um, about what you think the future of mental health tech will look like and how you think Misu might, might play in that, uh, play that role, part of that role. Uh, starting off big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I want to, I want to answer this, I suppose, like, at least attempt to do it concisely. And then we can like branch out from there if any of it resonates. Uh, so I, th- I actually think a lot, of the, a lot of the technology that will result in us having a positive, more positive impact on our mental health will come from non-traditional mental health tech products. Um, right now, we're at a place where uh, there are dozens of members of Congress who are trying to regulate social media to reduce their harm on our mental health. Um, but their biggest problem is they don't have the data. Um, and that's something like what a product, product like Misu is doing. We're measuring how social media products, how any app or website that you use impacts your mental health. Um, and when backed with clinical studies and we can show uh, with strong evidence more than with like a sample size of 68 people, which is the studies that Facebook's putting out, um, or at least sharing, um, we can we can have that kind of evidence that would put a lot of pressure, or when uh, regulations are put into place, put a lot of pressure on companies like Facebook to actually improve our mental health or pay large fines for the damage that they're doing to our psychological state and our economic state for having to like go and see a mental health professional for the harm that they cause. Uh, cool. I suppose that's like that's that's kind of like a grim outlook, um, <laughs> but like what does what does that actually mean? Like what what does it mean when we have the 
best engineers and data scientists and product creators from the platforms that are reaching a billion people having a positive influence or like working towards um, engineering for improved well-being. Uh, that to me is very exciting. That has cascading effects on the media industry. So the media industry is uh, like, if Facebook is optimizing for um, improved well-being, then they're probably going to stop showing content that's harming our well-being. And the media industry is shaped by the algorithms of these social platforms. So the media industry will start looking at how can we portray the news in a way that's actually beneficial to people's well-being and shares the truth, like <laughs> truthful things. <laughs> um, so I could see this sort of thing having really big cascading effects on the things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis through scrolling, through consuming. Um, but I also foresee just like how we have a quarter of American adults using fitness trackers, uh, like automatic fitness trackers, uh, we're gonna see consumers using um, automated mood trackers. And like we have 10% of the market today having tracked their mood um, manually. Now what's that gonna look like when we can do it automatically? And uh, there's so many possibilities when that comes into place uh, and I'm really excited for it. Uh, so I see the insights in the app that tell me which which websites are positively affecting my mood, which ones are negatively affecting my mood. Are the actions that you want people to take to kind of reflect on that and decide whether or not they want to use more or less of a certain platform? Is that kind of how you've used it so far? Um, how have I? I think, like, yeah, how have I used it so far? Well, how have I tracked my mood generally? Like I track my mood manually thousands of times daily. Um, now I have an automated tracker. And I find for me, the more that I track my mood and the more that I label how certain things impact my mental health, um, the more that I can use labeling of my behaviors, like, oh, I realize I'm using Facebook right now, or my usage of Facebook has increased. And I'll actually do an internal labeling of that behavior to like, try to predict my own mental state. Now, I find using a product like Misu helps me do that sort of thing um, better on my own. It helps me track my mood better when I'm not opening up the app. Um, and I do these sorts of checks into my behaviors to understand my mood. Uh, it's hard to count because I don't have a counter in my mind, but I would guess like um, in more volatile states, probably like a dozen times a day or so. Um, and that information helps me choose to change my behaviors to um, today. I was feeling kind of like I, my mood was lower. My mood was lower yesterday. It was lower today. So I decided um, I'm going to go for a bike ride through Golden Gate Park. And I did exactly that. And I, I feel a lot better. Um, and if it continued, I would have taken a higher lithium dose. So I find this knowledge and the awareness helps empower me to make better decisions. Cool. Uh, what What's your what would you say to someone who's trying to balance maybe some of their privacy concerns with using a platform like Misu with, with the benefit of, of being more aware of their mood? Yeah. Um, well, one, I, I just want to say, I think the privacy concerns are, are very valid. Um, we've had tech companies abuse our mental health. Uh, oh, yes, abuse our mental health, but abuse our privacy in so many ways. And it consistently happens. Um, so if you don't trust a platform like Misu, like I understand. Um, but if you like, if you are interested in tracking your mood, I can share our commitment with you. And that's, 
Um, like one, our, like my goal is to help create a product that improves your mental health. Um, I think selling your data and doing things with it that we aren't intending to um, is definitely not aligned with it. Two, no photos are ever stored. So we track emotional state through the um, detecting micro facial expressions throughout the day. Um, photos are never saved. We have an on-device machine learning model. So within a blink of the eye, um, photos, uh, your mood is analyzed and the photos disappear. Um, and we're transparent about everything that we collect. Um, so it's plain and simple in readable English and not conflated in this like obtuse privacy policy. Uh, yeah, that, I think that that's what I would share. Cool. I'm curious your, your experience, like you, you chose to trust Misu. Why did you trust it? And why, if you do still trust it, why do you still trust it? Um, well, well, part of it was, uh, just the, well, part of it was looking into your, the business model that you were operating under. I asked you on product hunt, um, mm. what model and you responded with like a freemium model, which I liked. So I guess I'm paying directly for the, the product versus indirectly through an ad model or something like that. So that was part of it. And then I, there was validation on, on you and your background and some of the mental health initiatives you've, you've done in the past through school and stuff like that. So those were, those were some of the key things for me. Mm. And, and the UX is just super nice. And so like, it looked like a, <laughs> a legit product. Yeah, it was, yeah. Those we have to be careful for um, because <laughs> I don't, we've seen really, uh, as you said, legit or legitimate products out yeah. there. Um, and like that Clearview product, that photo uh, detection one. And like, I think it's important to be skeptical. Uh, I'll, I'll just put that out there. Yeah. And thank you for your trust. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Um, so when I, when I think of a platform like Facebook, I imagine when they first started, one of their aims was to connect people. And we know that connections generally, it's good for your mental health. So when I think about them, I have to think they had the right intentions initially. To you, what, what's, what's the difference between Facebook and, and, and Misu? Is, it, is, it the, is the business model the crux of it? Like, do, you, do you see an issue with ad-based models or is there something else that's causing the misalignment between their users' incentives and their, I guess, their bottom line? I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so one of our investors is uh, friends and worked with uh, Zuckerberg as they were building from the early stages. And having heard their perspective, um, it sounds like Facebook will do the right thing when it is aligned, when their business uh, is aligned with that. Uh, so when their bottom line is connected with improving people's mental health, they're going to do that. Um, and <clears throat> that, that I think that's the major problem right now. Their business model is they can make, um, it's, it's, it's actually really interesting because they've produced results saying, um, they make more money from people who are actively engaged in the platform. And the flip side of that is people who are passively engaged in the platform spend a lot more time and their mental health is harmed. So there's this weird, um, there, there's this like weird state where Facebook knows they can make more money, but there's a big risk in trying to shift those passive users over um, to more active ones and remove some of this passive content. Um, and I'm really excited for 
when there are incentives, monetary incentives for large social platforms to improve our mental health. Um, so I actually think Facebook's going like Facebook's going to be one of the um, at least they're going to reduce the harm that they bring to our mental health um, over, let's say, a five year time span by quite a significant degree, which will have a really big impact on us. Interesting. So you're saying that users who spend le maybe less time on the on Facebook today than others, but are more actively engaged are actually uh, providing more value to them? More monetary value. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm trying to see what other questions I wanted to ask you. Um, let me just see. Oh, in the Fast Company article, um, they, they wrote about Misu. They, they talked about how um, people, you, your vision is maybe using Misu to track the impact of medications or maybe impact of fitness and sleep. Uh, on mood is the goal to eventually integrate with products like Fitbit or Apple watch to, to correlate those things. I, th I think what's really nice about building an iPhone app is that you can integrate with Apple health and that enables, um, and, and even just the iPhone on its own that you can learn about look, like, how does where I spend my time impact my mood, my fitness, my sleep, all these different variables. Um, I think the analogy, I'm not sure if it was in the Fast Company article, but like 50 years ago, we didn't have nutrition labels. Think about that. Like the food industry was not regulated that much. Imagine walking into a store, going up and down the aisles, trying to think like trying and just having faith that the food that you were getting, one was healthy and two like wasn't toxic or going to harm you. And that's kind of what's happening right now with our uh, with how we live our lives and amplified on the digital world, but even also, we don't, aren't, we aren't that informed on a day-to-day -day basis how our behaviors and activities impact our mental health. And I see kind of the future of the mental health space is not um, dramatic changes in the um, care for when people are on the edge and like in a crisis mode, but let's help take care of people, um, take care of 7 billion people's mental health before it becomes a crisis and giving people mental health nutrition labels for any activity that they do or could do, um, I, I think will we'll create this kind of cultural awareness and like just uplift everybody's mental health. Um, so I'm trying to think where I was gonna go. I was gonna ask you, so I think you mentioned somewhere that you'd like to eventually maybe see if governments would fund fund you to help with studies showing the impact of platforms on mental health. So based on your comment you said around Facebook and how their goal is is to improve people's well-being, um, do you do you see any fight or pushback from from social media platforms uh, against Misu or do you think it's going to be like collaborative? Um, I don't know. I, well, one, I know they have some of the most talented lobbyists in the world. Um, it's very, like, it's wonderful, like, not wonderful, it's kind of, uh, I, I appreciate watching them do their job very well. Um, they're very good at shaping regulation in their favor. Um, but I think what, when it comes down to it, 
Congress, like the people want this sort of thing, the media wants this sort of thing, Congress wants this sort of thing, and the data speaks for itself. Facebook shut down their well-being team. Um, they shut down their well-being team, the team that was like measuring how these products impact their mental health. They weren't listening to the sorts of rules that were uh, like they were. They measured, I think it was sessions. Facebook. Um, they had a number of studies that came out internally that um, they just did not follow. In fact, they did the complete opposite. And when this sort of information comes out to um, the FTC, um, at the very least, they are likely to see a um, injunction to say, hey, you have to reduce the amount of harm you're causing people's mental health to this degree. And if they don't follow that, they're likely to see, um, like, for one, I'm not a lawyer. I have very minimal experience other than speaking to a number of like uh, people who worked at the FTC um, to understand this sort of outcomes. I just want to hedge on that accordingly. Um, but we could see them having multi-billion dollar fines for harming our mental health um, if they don't improve their or, or reduce the amount of harm that they have. Um, really, it's just a matter of getting the data, presenting it in a nice way to make it really easy for the FTC to um, create an injunction. Um, this is what happened with the whole, uh, what was it? Uh, that that big privacy scandal for that company that rigged elect or uh, influenced elections. Cambridge Analytica? Yeah, that's that was related to the $5 billion fine that they received. Um, and and, and I, I'm certain that, it, and it's not just, uh, I don't think Facebook's acting um, intentionally badly. They're just in a position where they have a fiduciary, a legal duty to serve their shareholders well. The employees and the executives there, they're like, I believe that they're good people. I'm friends with a number of Facebook employees. Um, they want to do good. They feel much better when they're building products that are bringing delight um, to people's lives. So like, every, like everyone wants this outcome. Um, there will obviously be some uh, pushback. They want to make sure that these studies are um, sci like scientifically rigorous and like the numbers are valid. Um, so just that's fair. all. Yeah, yeah I, I would hope so. I hope yeah. that uh, any sort of regulation that comes into place is done with uh, valid, valid and truthful information. Yeah. Uh, what do you know what your preference would be in terms of the business model behind Misu if you prefer to uh, that it was mainly through government funding or through like uh, users paying for it through a freemium model or some combination. Do you know what your preference is? Um, I, I, it seems weird to rely on the government. Um, I'd much prefer to just provide the government public um, study results so the public can also get access to this. So like you and I, even if we're not users of Misu, we can learn generally how does this information um, impact our well-being? Um, I think that there's there's something very elegant about building a product directly for a consumer and knowing that they, they like it enough to pay us and to keep paying us. And they do that because um, we're bringing value to their mental health. Um, so it seems like incentives are much more aligned um, for categorically a better outcome if we're focused on improving the lives of an end consumer. Um, so I think you made me reflect on 
I can't remember if you answered it directly, but I was trying to ask if ad models are, are the problem um, in general versus direct payment. Uh, do you think ad models are the issue or can, can both be equally problematic? This is, this is a controversial topic. And I think people like pointing out, um, they like to the, generally point out an enemy. Um, and it's easy to do that, especially when we can jump on the bandwagon and everyone else is doing it. Um, but if we look at, let's say Facebook were to be incentivized to improve your mental health and my mental health and the two other billion people's mental health, um, they're gonna start showing more content that improves our mental health. Depending on how this measurement is made, they're gonna say, hey, well, if you use Facebook, what's the impact of your mental health the couple hours or days after your usage? This means the, um, as I mentioned before, the media, as well as the apps or whatever else they're advertising to us, all of those things are gonna impact our mental health. So then Facebook's gonna be incentivized to show ads of products that improve our well-being. And they're, like, it's even this like, greater cascading effect that the government can have on people's mental health by um, influencing the platforms and the attention, uh, the people who are really good at capturing our, cap yeah, directing our attention. Um, so in that case, it actually then decreases the cost of advertising for for companies and products that improve our mental health because Facebook's going to be wanting to show more of them as they can improve their bottom line. Um, and that creates incentives for more, uh, for people to create products that are better for everyone's mental health. Now, if we removed advertising from that, um, <clears throat> from Facebook there, all I can think of is they would have a harder time directing us to other products that would be better for our well-being. Um, there's probably a lot more that I'm actually missing there, and I, I welcome you to to poke around on that. Well, I just wonder if if we paid directly $9.99 a month or whatever for Facebook, would we be in any better position right now? So uh, I think my initial thinking was yes, but then I think of a I think of Netflix, for instance, and I think. Their CEO once said that their main competitor is sleep, uh, which was concerning to hear. Right, so I guess maybe maybe any business model there can there can be issues. I don't know. Yeah, I I I think it's it's not the model, but it's how it's applied. Um, I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, yeah, I, I would I would like to think that bottom line and and mental and improving people's lives are aligned so i guess I, i'm still trying to wrap my head around how we've we've result we've resulted in this environment where you have these social media apps that don't seemingly aren't good for our mental health like how did how did we end up here mm. um and maybe you answered it, this and maybe listening to this again um i'll be able to think through it more um Next question I want to ask you is how much of what you're trying to solve with me, Sue, is uh, A, eliminating the difficult habit of kind of manually tracking your mood, uh, B, getting a more accurate picture of what, what's actually driving your mood, uh, and C, I guess the piece we've been talking about around holding platforms accountable for their impact on their well-being. Like how much, how much where's your motivation lie? Uh, I think I could answer this uh, indirectly by just sharing why I started Misu. 
because I don't think I have a concrete answer and it's probably just most interesting instead of hearing like some abstract theory yeah. um, to hearing a story, which yeah. is, um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder uh, many moons ago. I dealt with extreme amounts of depression, anxiety. I was hospitalized twice. Like these were the toughest years of my life. I almost like, yeah, these were the toughest years of my life. And Oh, um, as I started gaining more stability, I recalled my mama, who's a psychiatrist. Um, it is, I'm grateful, but it was also very challenging having a mom who is a psychiatrist. Um, as well as my doctors, they recommended that I track my mood. And I figured, like, I, I only actually picked up the habit when I realized we can automate this. Okay, I want to try to build an automated tracker because I want to give back to the mental health community. I don't want someone like um, anyone to have to go through what I went through. And I think that um, mood tracking might help address the problems because currently, I think, as I mentioned before, mental health um, industry is really just there to catch people when they fall for the most part, um, not a preventative, like a culturally preventative measure. And I, so I taught myself to code, built a manual mood tracker. A lot of people ended up liking this. And when we figured out, finally figured out how to automate it, um, we started working on that and we launched it a few weeks ago. Really grateful for you, uh, you trying it out and being a, being an early adopter. Um, and I, so I think my, my motivation is, um, one, it's personal. Like this is cool technology that can help me and my mental health and the mental health of my peers and anyone else who wants to do it. Um, two, this sort of technology can have societal benefits um, that impact people who don't even use this sort of tech, like use the product. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> like, that, that's the, I think that's my gist. Um, it's hard for me to put, a, put it in a pie chart. <laughs> no, that's okay. Thanks for sharing your story. That's that's a better approach. And yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you've gone through this, but I'm I'm glad that something really amazing's come out of it. Um, and yeah, I listened to your your other podcast on I think it's called the Stigma Podcast, where you went into your story a lot more. Um, and yeah, that was great. Um, let me see what other questions I had. What 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 challenges are you, are you currently? facing? What are, what are some of your biggest challenges with Misio? Mm. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges? I, I suppose the, like, I think more relevant challenges to this audience are, like, how do we build trust? Um, I think people can be very trusting when they hear a little bit about the background of the product and the intentions of it or the story. Um, but how do we help people understand that, like, we actually really care about their privacy and we're not some shady tech company. Like we care about improving their mental health. Um, and that's our number one KPI. Um, and that's a big challenge. Like we have, like, while we have a lot of people retained um, and stick around once they make it through, um, the first couple of days, there's a decent amount of people who drop off. Um, and the number one reason is privacy concerns. Um, the other is like, how do we actually help people learn about their mood like their baselines like to make sense of this mood like 90 percent of the population has never tracked their mood before 60 percent of the people who use our app um, have never tracked their mood before and anyone who's tracked their mood before has never done it through an automated tracker and like had some scoring associated with it so 
we're entering like this a uh, user experience territory that no one has um, traversed before. Um, so we have to try to figure out like, how can we help people answer the question of how am I feeling right now? How does that, like, is this a normal feeling for me? Not for anyone else, but for me, like at what time of day is it normal for me to feel um, whatever I'm feeling right now? Um, as well as then the other is just, there are so many feature requests that people have had. I mean, like, I want to learn about how apps impact me over the past like week, over the past month, over the past year. I want to be able to go back and I'm like, yeah, I want this too. I'm trying to build it as quickly as possible. Um, so I think that's uh, that's that's the gist. <laughs> Thanks. I, I think a, a, a bigger challenge will be how do we create automatic tracking for um, for mobile phones without any camera access? And we got a couple like couple ideas on that. And it's some people have done it before, but they never really stuck through it um, because the other companies they landed up focusing on working with insurance companies and um, other mental health professionals. So it's really hard to traverse like a brand new product space um, as well as appease to three different other types of like address three other major core problems. Um, so I'm excited to go and tackle, tackle that challenge and just you, one challenge. Are you not able to get camera permission on phones? Um, Android we can, um, but iPhone, uh, iPhone, we can, but not to do it in the background. So I think that's something that we would like, it, it would definitely be nice to have, uh, um, but there are ways to work around it. Like um, if you look at my, if you looked at my, just my behaviors and you were to say, actually, if you looked at my behaviors yesterday compared to my behaviors normally, where um, at the middle of the day, I think I spent um, two hours watching Netflix laying on my bed eating a bunch of chips and dip, like you could probably make an estimation right there that Dan may not be feeling too good. Um, and there are like, there are a lot of sensors on these phones that we have uh, that could help pick up on behavioral cues to predict um, state of mood. Um, and that's what we'll be doing. And we'll be pairing it with our compute, like the desktop app to create like a really all encompassing um, emotion tracking. Cool. Well, I'm excited for the the phone version. <laughs> uh, out of curiosity, do you know why Apple allows background uh, webcam monitoring on their Mac but not their phones? Um, I think they did allow it on the phone, and people were abusing it. Um, and it's a lot harder to abuse it on the computer because the green light goes off, um, and that's. I believe it's connected to the hardware. So uh, it might be impossible to, uh, very unlikely that someone is able to hack that. Um, so whenever the camera's going on, the green light goes on. Um, and like, unfortunately, like we've had so many users say like, I wish you could just turn that green light off because I, it kind of bothers me. Um, but on the other side, we've had a lot of users say, oh, I actually really like when the camera goes off because it's an opportunity for me to be more mindful and just check in with my mood and check in on my Misu score. Um, so it, yeah, there, here we are. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't noticed it. Maybe I have one of those uh, webcam slider things on my Mac. So maybe mm. it's blocking the green light. So I haven't noticed it. Um, 
what was I going to ask you? Um, do you, oh, first I was going to ask you, how, how long do you think this tech has existed for a Misu type product to, to be able to come to market? Mm. Do you know? Yeah. Um, I, I suppose like it's, it's been around for a long time, but there are a handful of bits of tech that have changed. Like we could say, uh, the emotion tracking through facial recognition, I believe has been around for over a decade, um, possibly wow. even longer, um, but to do it through a machine learning model, uh, like maybe at least five, five to 10 years. Um, but to do this in a way that's not consuming a ton of resources from the computer, to do this in a way um, where it's not like, both from the, like a GPU perspective as well as a battery perspective, um, and doing this on the actual laptop itself and phone, um, that has only been possible very recently. Um, and no one has really tracked a mood to detect emotion off of resting state. All the models on the market, um, it, if, we, if we test out like Amazon's, Microsoft's um, emotion detection, it looks like they just pulled um, photos off of Google and like we looked Google and we Googled happy faces and we're like, this is happy. And that's what the model predicts. Um, and you could see the same thing for sad and angry and it doesn't pick up on the nuances. And that's what we look like 99% of the time. We're not putting on a massive expression, especially as we're using our computers or phones. And we trained our model to pick up on the very nuances, those micro expressions. Um, and I don't think anyone has done that before. Cool. Yeah, I was just curious uh, why you think you guys are the first to build an automated mood tracker in this in this way. And I guess it's just because of, uh, to your point, it's it's fairly recent that I guess the stars have aligned in terms of the tech and the processing power and stuff required. Cool. Um, have you have you seen any apps around? Uh, word word tracking so for instance like scanning your your journal or something that you're writing in to to tell you which kind of trains of thoughts are helpful and not mm. there i've i've seen of a couple um there's also ibm watson i'm curious if you like if you ask because you've had one that you really like recently i don't have one i haven't seen any okay. well, i haven't done too much research into it um yeah, I think sentiment through text is, it's pretty advanced. We've had a number of people recommend that we do this as well and put a journaling functionality in. I think like part of the essence of our, like part of the top value, one of the top values of our company is effortlessness or easefulness. The other two are um, trust and improvement of mood. Um, so we're kind of re resistant to go down that route. I, what, is there anything? Thing, like particularly interesting about this I, I think it could be really useful to people who journal frequently um, I haven't seen any yeah I haven't seen anything that's just been absolutely mind-blowing yet but if you do or if any of the listeners of this do um, hear about it I would love to love to see and check it out okay I'll let you know if I if I come across anything um, and I, I guess expanding on that I was just I guess what I was thinking long-term around this was, for instance, being able to, like something is, is assessing our conversation right now and can tell me afterwards, like, like things I could, 
could have improved on or th- I, don't, mm. I don't know exactly what it looks like but um, maybe different things I said that that weren't the best or I don't know <laughs> uh, well they have um, there my friend actually released from Google a off the shelf it's a uh, a motion detection an auditory motion detection model that can uh, be trained on the device uh, and this apparently is substantially more accurate than the other uh, the other uh, auditory uh, detection models on the market. Interesting. It doesn't pick up on actual words, but yeah, like I'm I'm also really interested to see like what are the kinds of conversations that energize me, and not just at any time, but what about like how am I feeling right now? What about yesterday when I was laying down in bed? I was eating a ton of chips. Uh, I was watching a bunch of Netflix and my mood was low. I don't think I was ruminating or had like a ton of negative stories going on in my mind. Um, I was in a pretty neutral, low energy state, but what sorts of conversations could have improved my mood then? Um, And like, and then to me, this is so like, this this is really exciting because we could see um, like, uh, we could, then have like a model of people who ever have uploaded their data to a service that is analyzing this and say like, hey, what kinds of people or what, which of your friends are actually good for your mood or not? Um, of these people that you're considering swiping through and going on a date with, which are going to be best for your mood? Or at the very least, like which are you most likely to have a really great first date with? Um, like, I think this just speaks to this model of like mood is everything. And as people assuming that enough of the market is really interested in tracking their mood and investing in improving their mood, then it can expand to any sort of service that's like that's a consumer experience where people want uh, people want it to be better for their well-being. Um, I'm curious how all, any of that, if any of that lands or resonates with you. Yeah, no, that sounds super super interesting to me. Uh, I, I guess. My my gut reaction is it would be it might be kind of uh, hard to hear the truth that certain relationships aren't good for you. Uh, so I wonder if if people some people might prefer just not to have that knowledge, which which might be fair. But I think there's there's a lot of value in becoming more self aware, and I think a lot of times it's it's hard for people and us in general to to be aware of self like totally self-aware of different things. Um, so yeah, like what you talked about, some of those futuristic things, I think, I think it's very possible that, that those things will exist. Um, but yeah, in terms of like concrete examples, I, yeah, I think, I think it'd, be, it'd be cool if even something as simple as, for instance, from what I've read, in terms of just an effective conversation, you wanna have both people talking roughly an equal amount of time and sometimes you have conversations where one person is monopolizing and they're, they're not aware, like they're not realizing they're talking 90% of the time. So just having something that's alerting them after, I think there'd be potentially a lot of value in that. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think there's, uh, I think there's some clear reasons why Facebook doesn't do this right now or Apple doesn't do this or Google doesn't do this. But I think the general trend is, uh, well, I think we need to 
build a lot more trust with technology in general, or specifically with a handful of companies that are actually out there to improve our mental health. Like likelihood of startups working out is slim. So let's just talk generally about like a handful of companies um, and say that, um, yeah, I, I personally would want a, a product to know at, about almost everything that I do. Um, ideally, it abstracts the information and doesn't have photos. It doesn't actually have recordings of what I say. It has abstractions of the kinds of thing I say, the tone that I say them. Um, yeah, there's just no photos, no videos, no recordings, um, but just metadata of what I do and the impact that it has on me and the impact that it has on others. And I think, yeah, I, I'm excited for that future. And we also have a lot of things going against us because people are abusing our privacy left, right, and center. Yeah. Not people, but uh, a handful of companies. <laughs> so do you, do you mind if I go back to the, uh, the advertising model versus the direct uh, model for a sec? Yeah, I wanna hear your opinion on what, like, what do you think is right or wrong? Uh, I, I've kind so I, I kind of lean towards the paying directly being a better better model versus paying indirectly and uh, through companies using my data in ways I'm I'm not necessarily aware of. But there's there's strong counter arguments like one that it gives more access to people who maybe can't afford, right? So if Google search was paid, you'd be limiting it. Um, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Uh, and then in that Netflix example, it, it speaks to that, that any model can be problematic. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm kind of un, undecided. That's why I asked. So I, mm. I'm, I'm kind of reflecting on, because you asked me why, why I used Misu. And one of the first things I said was, I liked your answer that it was a freemium model. And I think my gut reaction, if you said, oh, we're going to generate money through ads, I wouldn't have liked that. And I'm I'm just trying to decide for myself if if that's the if that makes sense. If yeah, yeah. I think it's it's really important for us um, if we're going to be trailblazing a new category um, for us to be building a lot of trust with our community um, because I don't we're not going to succeed if we um, it if we don't work with a community to build a really great product and trust is so important to us. And if it means that never um, advertising makes sense or it just resonate, does not resonate with a the community, then like that's a very obvious answer. Um, go with the community first because we can build such powerful um, technology for our mental health without that. Um, it, and there's another part of me that wonders like, well, what happens if like Calm, the meditation app says like, hey, they wanna, they wanna advertise with us and then Headspace as well and Insight Timer and then Talkspace and then Ginger.io and like all these startups in the mental health space are saying, hey, we'd like your help with distribution. Like, what do we do? Do we only pick one and advertise the one and like create more um, like uh, inequality in power uh, or, and, uh, I don't know, but uh, I think these are 
these are important questions to be mindful of. And I'd also be skeptical if anyone just says they're they're absolutely not going to do advertising ever. Um, it's something that I think requires um, requires like a lot of thought and mindfulness. And advertising can actually bring a lot of value to um, and distribution to products that improve people's mental health. But I, I think that an interesting thing here, I think this is my last point, uh, is if we're labeling how anything that you do impacts your mental health, why would we ever want to advertise something to you that is negative for your mental health? So put otherwise, like we have incentive to advertise things to you that improve your mental health because you're going to know it. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't want that. Like our measurement is to improve your well-being. And the idea of companies being out there in the future whose primary KPI is to improve con like your well-being, my well-being, um, that's an exciting future. That's one that I believe in. It's one that actually very few people believe in today. Um, but I'm a, and I'm excited for that to change. So just to make sure I understand what you're saying, you, are you saying that if Misu started advertising and the ads weren't good for me, I would see it in Misu by like the app would tell me that when I'm on Misu, it's negatively affecting my mental health. And I, is, is that what you're saying? Just so I'm following. Um, I, saying that um, one KPI, like our KPI is to improve your well-being yes. and anything that like we want to make mental health nutrition labels so you can learn how anything you do impacts your well-being. Yeah. That means we would be show anything that we show to you, like we would want you to learn how these things would impact your well-being. Um, and like that just seems gross. It seems disgusting to put something on a platform like trying to encourage someone to do it that's yeah. bad for our well-being that is yeah. not our product like that is not our product by any means um that like i don't know if we start doing this show me this recording and wake <laughs> me up because something's going wrong um yeah like that it, it just seems hard to imagine a world where that happens so are you, you're undecided uh between like the ad model versus direct model or do you do you lean towards direct and that's why you you went with freemium um i think freemium like absolutely no plans for advertising um even in our like investor um documents like there's no even talks about advertising there um there's uh we're doing like freemium is our our plan and our go-to-market um and that's yeah that, that's the plan Cool. Uh, I'm curious how that resonates with you. Like, podcaster hat off as a yeah. like as a community member and early adopter of Misu. How does all of this resonate with you? It it resonates well. Uh, and I want it unfiltered. Yeah. No. Like, I I have this I have this uh, negative feeling towards towards ads. And through talking to you, through talking to you, you've kind of change my perspective a little that they're not necessarily inherently bad. So I'm just trying to reflect on that a bit more, but I, I, I do like, I do like your approach that there's no ads. Yeah. I think the, the general generalizations um, are generally bad. And I think the, like a, an analogy here is a lot of people think lobbying is a really bad thing. Um, and just like lobbying's gross, lobbyists are bad. 
but we're going to invest in hobbyists and we're going to have them shape policy so that the products, the social media products that we use are significantly less harmful to our mental health. That's a really good application of lobbying and go and apply that to any like sort of thing that people are like in commerce think people think are bad. Um, it's really like, um, it's how, how is it being used? And I think that's an important reflection. Yeah, no, that's a good example. I guess the more I think about it, uh, part of my issue with ads is I have this feeling and, or this view, and maybe it's wrong, but if a product's good enough, it'll sell itself. So I think of Misu and I told a lot of friends about it and you didn't have any, I'm not trying to make you feel good, but like when you, when you come across a product you like, you don't need a referral bonus or I don't need an incentive other than I want to share a product that I think is going to help people. So an advertisement, like why is that necessary if, if the product's good? Maybe, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it makes sense. Like we, our other, our mood tracker, we had a manual mood tracker um, and we made nearly a hundred thousand dollars through building a product that helped a quarter million people reflect on their mood over many years, track their moods millions of times. Um, and they, they just, they loved the product. And part of the time, like part of the reason people were paying for us is just because they loved it so much, even less for the, the additional features that we were giving them. Um, so I, I am in alignment with you. I think my fitness pal also, um, I've used that app to lose weight and to manage my weight, especially when I put a lot on after struggling with depression. Um, and they have a freemium product there. That company was sold for half a billion dollars. Um, but I think what's most more important there is not the numbers, but the millions of people who they've helped um, take care of their health. Um, and they were able to sustain that um, partially through a, a freemium product. How how confident are you that you'll be able to overcome the the privacy concerns around a platform like Mizu? Uh, I've a, I've a high degree of confidence, and it comes from like a few places. Uh, I think one is we don't need to appeal to 100% of people to build a really valuable product. If we look at the numbers, it's like 55% of the population don't trust technology companies with their data, um, but, they, but they use them anyways. Um, but it, let's just say we don't, like that 55% is just not our audience. Um, there's still a lot of people out there and a lot of people want to take care of their mental health. Uh, so I think, getting over the privacy concerns, a lot of this will come through um, more social validation, other people using the product, really enjoying it, us being on a mobile app and not having to have that green light going off a handful of times throughout the day. And we really tried to make the experience like less intrusive. Um, half of our engineering resources are going towards building more trust um, and being transparent. Because um, a lot of people don't know the degree of precautions that we take to help them take care of their mental health or to help them uh, to respect their privacy. I think like half of the people who stopped leaving the app for privacy concerns didn't realize that we don't actually save any photos. 
Um, so a bunch of them come back when they discover this. <laughs> cool. Uh, la last question I want to ask you um, is around, there, there's this trend, at least it seems that rates of mental illness have increased over the last few decades. Oh. <laughs> and maybe I shouldn't have left this, maybe we're not going to have time. That's okay, because I want to wrap up in the next couple minutes. But yeah, there's this trend which, which shows higher rates of mental illness, but then you know, med the state of medications, while it's not perfect, is better than it was 50 years ago in terms of mental health. And there are solutions like Misu now and, and other products uh, like um, like uh, Apple and Android have built in, I guess, well-being apps into their products. So I guess which one is going to outpace each other or like are we doing enough to to address the rising rates of mental illness? I guess there's a lot in that question. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so I, I think one answering like, why are mental health, why is mental health worse now than ever before? Um, and then going into some of like where, where mental health tech is going um, without overlapping too much, what I answered in the first question. So I think one, we're spending more on our mental health than ever before. And the percent of the population who struggles with their mental health at any, at like in a 12 month rolling period is higher than ever before. I think youth, it's almost 40% of people will struggle with anxiety or depression. Um, that's in a given year. That's absurd. Um, that's like, if we were to rate lives with an NPS score, like our earth within it, like life with an NPS score, life's NPS score is definitely going down. Um, and it's, yeah, I, there are a handful of things that I think are showing up because, uh, part, partly there's rising inequality. Um, there is more debt within youth. Um, so financial, um, liberation and hope, uh, is, has a big impact on this. Plus we're spending time on platforms that are just causing more and more rumination and more and more comparisons. Like it's it's a really bad mix uh, and it sucks i've been in that i what i am the statistic um or at least contributing to it um <clears throat> yeah uh i where 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 we go? that was number one yeah um, that was number one numbers bad um two like where where are things going well like there's digital therapy, there's digital psychiatry. That's great. The stigma is going down, but like, if we look at the numbers, the percent of the population who's seeing therapists or psychiatrists, like it actually isn't going up that much. Hmm. Um, like we're seeing adoption of these platforms, but there's limited, there's a supply problem. Um, the demand problem is a stigma, but that's going down. Uh, and what, yeah, uh, I, I would really, I really wish that there just was not as much of a demand for psychiatrists. Um, and that comes from making cultural changes. So I do think that a quarter of the American population in a decade from now will be using automated mood tracking software. And that shifts in the first couple of years from just doing tracking to actually helping shift, improve mood, um, especially as it's easier. And, and I, at that, yeah, I think the, 
there are going to be a handful of companies out there that are so good at understanding and improving our well-being that these are these are the new platforms. Um, and there's a chance that the existing social platforms evolve to that, or that we see the next MySpace. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm definitely excited for the technology to be branded as this thing that's actually good for our well-being. Um, it's about time. That's what the promise was 30, 40 years ago. Um, and it's time that we have more entrepreneurs working on addressing that. Thanks. Uh, sorry for asking you such a big question at the at the very end. I want to be respectful of your time, but uh, th thank you for taking the time to chat. Uh, I really enjoyed this, and uh, yeah, it was really great meeting you. Uh, likewise, I'm I'm curious if you were to share with your listeners like why why you use Misu, um, or like why you like it, why you think it's a good product. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, I guess the biggest reason is just to become more aware of how I'm feeling. Um, just, just, um, I think it's, it's, it's helpful for me to, to be aware of that. Um, and, and seeing which apps are positively and negatively affecting my mood. Like you kind of have a suspicion, but it's validation right there that at least for me, and I assume is pretty common is, is video calls. The, the closest thing to real human-to-human -human interaction is what's positively affecting my mood and things where I'm passively scrolling or negatively impacting my mood, but the validation is really nice. Uh, and it's a similar reason I use an app like Fitbit to track my sleep. It's, it's nice to, to know how I'm doing and um, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess that's why I use it. Hmm. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's music to my ears. <laughs> uh, well, we'd love to get some more feedback from you uh, on the product because I want to build, I want to build you a really great mood tracker. Thanks, Dan. Uh, we, we don't have to do that. <laughs> Actually, let's not do that now, but let's chat <laughs> again another time. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Um, no problem. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Can I Ask You a Question? If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you left a rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening from so that more people like you can discover it. Also, it'd be super helpful if you'd be willing to leave some feedback on any ideas you have for improving future conversations using the link in this episode's description. Thanks again and see you next time.